0: This is the first Colgate Raider Report podcast of the new year. Hopefully everyone is enjoying their 2020 already. This is Eric Malinowski and very glad to be talking to, for the first time, Kathy Taylor, new head coach of Colgate Women's Lacrosse. Coach, first of all, Happy New Year. Congrats on the new job. Welcome to Colgate, and welcome to the Colgate Raider Report podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Eric. It's, it's really exciting to be here at Colgate University. It had an exciting fall, and we just can't wait to get into the spring season.
0: And, Coach, let's backtrack. What did you know about Colgate from the outside looking in before accepting the job? What did you know about this Raiders program?
1: I knew the head coach very well because, ironically, I had coach Heather Young, as a high school player at Fayetteville manlius So I was well aware of Colgate having grown up just down the road and raised my family in Fayetteville manlius Portland, LeMoyne, Colgate was always on our radar. If we could get a scrimmage against Colgate, we took that opportunity. I have watched the Colgate program, the ebb and the flow, the great years where they won the Patriot League, and then the other years where they, you know, were struggling more to find their way in the Patriot League. But I feel like I know the program very well.
0: And what are your initial thoughts of Colgate now that you are an employee of the university?
1: I just can't say enough about the university as a whole. I mean, the academic Student profile is so exciting to have an opportunity to coach. Uh, it's different than where I've come from. It's a different division. It's it's a different academic profile, and that's exciting. I have found the uh, student athletes here to be very welcoming our coaching staff is brand new from top to bottom and it has been just a wonderful landing so far people so welcoming the other coaches certainly Nikki Moore our athletic director has made me feel like I should just come in and make it mine it's a very exciting time
0: chatting with Kathy Taylor new head women's lacrosse coach at Colgate University coach let's rewind to the mid-2000s after you stepped down as Fayetteville Manlius head coach did you have a thought That was it.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, I had gone back to school to get a school counseling degree. I was going to be a school counselor. I got my master's. I was moving on to a new chapter of my life. My children were headed to college and playing in college. I thought, I just don't ever want to be coaching and not want to be on the field, and it seemed like a good time to make a break. And I went into school counseling for two years at the middle school level and and loved it very, very much. And it was a very unique opportunity I had to get back into coaching and certainly one that as I reflect back on, I was very lucky to have.
0: At the high school level, then D3, D2, and now D1. Just tell the listeners a little bit about how incredible this journey has been.
1: I hope the Colgate listeners think it's incredible. I have grown up with the sport and and grown up with the student athletes really from the high school level I raised my family and coached for uh, 18 years at Faithful Manlius High School, where I was able to enjoy quite a bit of success in a couple state championships and a state final. I left that. I was forward thinking, like, you know, I don't know that I can keep trying to win state championships. You know, it's hard. And my family and uh, I have three children were playing down in North Carolina. I looked ahead to what did I want my career path to be, and I loved working with students and student-athletes, and I thought, well, hey, you know, I can continue to do that as a school counselor and perhaps make a difference in the lives of people that don't have a coach in their life, and that's what kind of drove me on that career path and had that opportunity. My unique situation was as I left the high school game, very fulfilled, and going into a new career. A couple of years down the road, I had a call from a Dr. Joan Sitterly, who was at the time the acting athletic director at SUNY Cortland. And she was also an official and she had an opportunity to officiate games that I had coached in and had wondered if maybe I'd like to make the jump to the college game, which was ironic. I'd been out of coaching for a couple of years. You know, I had missed the challenge of taking a group of individuals and creating something greater than the individual parts in that team, that leadership component, that while you know counseling, Eric, really allowed me to move individual students forward, I didn't have that collective challenge. And, and you know, there was no competition. It was just trying to make a difference in people's lives, which was very fulfilling. But, you know, I thought one of that, you know, college that I ever call and ask to talk to me about being the head coach. So I went down and interviewed and talked to Dr. Sitterly, and, you know, lo and behold, the opportunity presented itself that I could go there, Then I had to do some soul searching, do do I hop back in, I've never been an assistant at college, I felt like I knew the game well enough, and I had my own players that I had coached at the highest level. I jumped back into it. Cortland, I was there for six years, and it was, a, it was a very special time in my life.
0: Just accepting the job at Colgate University, so new to the Division I head coaching ranks, but as we've talked about already, Coach, as I'm talking to Kathy Taylor, the new head women's lacrosse coach at Colgate University, making the transition from high school to Division Three, and then Division Three to Division II with LeMoyne. Any challenging adjustments that you ran into making the transition from the different levels, coach, or lacrosse is lacrosse, doesn't matter what level you're coaching at?
1: You know, I've been asked that question a lot, Eric, making the jump. The jump from high school to college offered a challenge in not just coaching the players that were in your school district, right, and trying to put together a team, but, but being responsible for going out and getting the best players to fit that program and then building that team, too. So there was the recruiting aspect that was more of a challenge for me. I had always seen it from the other side, so now I was sitting in it. My relationship with high school coaches through the years in New York State, coaching in a New York State school, was very beneficial for me. allowed me to recruit in a different way than perhaps a young coach. You know, when I moved to LeMoyne, I didn't see a big difference. It was also a regional school. My recruiting background was stronger at that time, so great connections in, in the state of New York. You know, I had had made a name, at least at the college level. So it was not a difficult transition in the recruiting there. However, I will tell you, it's the same game, you know, just bigger, stronger, faster, every place that I, I, I continue to go. And it's a similar population. It's, it's a young female athlete. I feel that I have spent, you know, three decades working with that young female athlete in this game all across. What we really do get, here at Colgate University, is a very bright, competitive female athlete. And our student profile really lends itself to the game of lacrosse. So I am excited about who we can recruit and get to come to Colgate University and help us Chase Championship.
0: Jumping in during the summer months, Coach, what has been the focus this fall for the Colgate University Women's Lacrosse Program? My
1: so first focus when we got the job was to secure my assistance, and I'm very excited about having Jessica and me and Katherine Sweeney on board. Once we secured our staff, we really wanted to get to know the players that were coming back to Colgate. You know, talk to them about what had been done in the past, and, and you know what were their hopes and dreams for the future. Really reassuring that the players here in the locker room, that we are here to coach them, all the while as we go out to look for new Colgate players too. We are not looking past the players that we have in the locker room right now. We're excited about our freshmen. It's a big transition when freshmen come into school, so we're really excited about having them. Our seniors have just totally bought in. We're excited about that. I use the word excitement a lot because I do feel that energy source ever since stepping on campus and and from the team. You know, there's transitions, and, and transitions can be tough. But I credit this team a great deal for opening, you know, their hearts and their minds to a different way and a new coaching staff. So that's what we've been doing. We've been getting to know people on campus. We've been getting to know our team better, as well as trying to secure a strong 2021 class that we started going after on September
0: 1st as you alluded to coach the players that have been here on the Colgate roster and during some changes the last couple of years so how crucial is that buy-in that you spoke of that there is excitement with this coaching change and the direction of this Colgate women's lacrosse program moving forward
1: I think it was the most important thing for us to do was to connect with the team that we have the team that we're coaching this spring and get to know them and inspire them and give them opportunities to stretch their game into a new dimension just with the coaching change and I think that our style of play that we introduced uh, we did work them hard I think that if you if you ask them they would say wow we, we definitely worked hard this fall coach Taylor likes us to be in good shape and I do. I think that that is very often the difference between a close game and a win and a loss. It allows us to be more confident at the end of a game. So initially I'm sure that was hard for the returners, but they saw the benefit as we got deeper into the fall when we had an opportunity to play against other programs and scrimmages. They saw the benefit of the fitness and some of the work that we had done on moving the ball faster and it, it translated into a, an exciting game and and i'm hoping <laughs> and i know hope is not a strategy eric but i'm, I'm optimistically thinking they're going to come back in great shape and you know be ready to hit the ground running this weekend when they hit campus
0: coach kathy taylor on the colgate raider report podcast now without giving away x's and o's and without giving away the element of surprise to opponents that will play you guys early on in the season what kind of style of play are you into coach
1: i think that Anyone who's watched the teams that I have coached probably knows that I, I like to play a fast style of lacrosse. I really love to get that ball out of the goal on a save and up the field in different sticks, looking for those fast break, secondary break opportunities before we go into a settle offense and really push the pace on offense. That being said, I also would love to see our team play a more aggressive defensive style of defense we have had the privilege of of moving some of the players that were playing different positions to try out some new spots you know just kind of new fresh set of eyes not that what they were doing was incorrect or wrong it was solid but you know as a new set of eyes come in they say hey maybe you'd be better off at midfield you maybe maybe we could use your stick down on the attacking end and and so we we've had some fun with that and and again the players have been open-minded to those changes. These changes we've put in to be able to play that style. I've always believed that lacrosse is very much an athlete's game, and you absolutely need skill and finesse that is, you know, worked on in your development. But the game itself is played on a very big field, and sharing the ball is a great way to move that ball around the field uh, quickly and beat the defenses. So hopefully that's what you're going to see a little bit more of, ball movement certainly on offense.
0: Any major rule changes heading into this season that fans should be aware of, Coach?
1: Great question. You know, a couple years ago, we had a lot of big major rule changes that sped up the game and and really played into this style of lacrosse very well. No major rule changes you're going to see. Some minor tweaks here and there, but probably... To the naked eye, there won't be a a lot. Two years ago is when the big ones were made.
0: We talked about how crucial it was that the existing players on the roster and the newcomers, everybody buys into the system, Coach, but how crucial was it to get a couple of assistants on your staff that you're really excited about and that kind of fit into your philosophies and are ready to take this to the next step with Colgate Women's Lacrosse?
1: I've always believed, Eric, that that who you share your office with as, as a head coach It determines the success and and the enjoyment of the job, right? And also uh, the enjoyment of the players. I am very excited that I was able to secure Jessica Antelme, who I had worked with as a graduate assistant at Cortland before I went to Le Moyne. And she went to Le Moyne with me as well as my assistant coach for two years before Jessica went to, to Boston University, where she worked for a couple of years as an assistant under Liz uh, Robershaw. so she knows the Patriot League very well. She's been one year out of the Patriot League, where she took a uh, one-year stint at Bryant University. But she uh, knows the Patriot League well, is very comfortable in the Division One world, and yet we had she started her coaching career with me. So it, that's that was just you know a great get, my first top recruit. It's just Gold Star, and then we were able to get uh, Catherine Sweeney, who actually was a freshman and played with Jess and me when she was a senior both playing at Albany University under head coach John Battellino both coaches have division 1 experience division 1 coaching experience division 1 playing experience they're young they're exciting they're fun. We laugh a lot in the office. I think the team gets a kick out of them, different personalities, but all very unified in our charging forward and what we hope for for the team.
0: Your initial thoughts on the 2020 schedule for Colgate Women's Lacrosse? <laughs> it's
1: it's front-loaded. You know, we, we're playing Syracuse University very early on in our season. We have Cornell. Uh, we're very excited about having some of those big uh, Division One programs, but there's there's several Division One programs that we have an opportunity to play outside the very powerful Patriot League that we belong in. You know, we know Loyola and Navy are always powerhouses. DU is strong, and Army has a young team that has grown up, definitely has developed a higher level game that we anticipate seeing on the field there's been a lot of turnover in coaching in the patriot league i am one of four new coaches this year out there not in the top teams that i just spoke of those all have returning coaches returning good players there's a lot of change my anticipation is that hopefully we'll come out of the gate with a little stronger start than this team experienced last year they kind of dug a hole and they finished strong so we're hoping to build on that strong finish that Colgate had last year when they lost in the semifinals of the uh, Patriot League. And But, you know, how exciting that they got there. So we're really going to build on that momentum, hopefully have a stronger start early season. If we could just pray for a little good weather <laughs> and, you know, learn a lot in these non-conference games that we have against some very strong teams and take that into the second half of our season and hopefully secure – confidence as we take the field against some of these strong Patriot League
0: opponents. Talking to Colgate Women's Head Lacrosse Coach Kathy Taylor on the Colgate Raider Report Podcast. Coach, you are current president of the Intercollegiate Women's Lacrosse Coaches Association. How did that role come about for you in 2017, And what's it been like?
1: Every once in a while, you find yourself in a position where people ask of you to consider doing something. And that really was it. I had no great burning desire to be the president of the IWLCA. You know, had a very full life at the time at at LeMoyne College and really wanted to win a national championship and knew we were knocking on the door at it. And I thought, do I really have time to do this? volunteer job in, in, in this leadership role I had the support of some very powerful coaches and believed that that would be you know a, a good fit for the organization and that maybe I could bring a leadership component that they were looking for and I, I agreed to take on that role and I actually you know they do have to vote it has been a learning experience for me I, I've grown a great deal my interactions with other lacrosse platforms, has been very interesting. It's been a great connective piece for me to learn lacrosse on a larger landscape and be able to help lead college coaches in in a positive direction. I think it has given me insight to a lot of different programs and you know the successes and the and the failures, you know the the good stories and the bad that will and have helped me in this transition to Colgate. And it's my give back. I will be very very frank and transparent. I was so thrilled I was able to win a national championship with this extra task on my shoulders. That responsibility, it's a three-year term, ends this summertime. I am ready to hand that over to someone else. I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and dive even deeper into Colgate. And so these extra tugs do take me away from Colgate a little bit, but I'm trying to manage them so that they don't they never hurt me at LeMoyne. I don't think they'll hurt hurt me this season here at Colgate.
0: One more thing I wanted to mention, Coach, before I let you go. 2010, inducted into the upstate New York chapter of the U.S. Lacrosse Hall of Fame. You've continued, obviously, to do remarkable things since then. But what is it like to be a member of that Hall of Fame?
1: I think any Hall of Fame that you're a member of is quite an honor. And to know that other people sat around a room and selected you as one, one of the people they felt really made an impact in your community and that was a huge honor for me and very humbled when I look at a lot of the other people that are in that Hall of Fame. I often joke about the fact that I've been in this game a long time and maybe I just have staying power, Eric, and uh, so, you know, that is that is my journey. I I never got out of college and thought that I would, would love to chase coaching or wouldn't it be great if I could be in a Hall of Fame the way I operate is I, I love where I am, and when an opportunity has presented itself and it seems like the right fit, I explore it, and if I make a change, that's where I am then. I'm like, I love where I am. As I kind of wrapped this up, the Hall of Fame with a tremendous honor and a privilege of mine, but... Being here at Colgate University feels like the biggest privilege right now, and you know every day I come to work I think, wow, I am so lucky to have this job. I can't wait till the players come back.
0: Coach, great, great stuff. Everyone excited to have you on board. Thank you so much for your time on this Colgate Raider Report podcast.
1: You're welcome, and thank you.
0: Thank you so much to Coach Taylor, the new head coach of the women's lacrosse team, and we're going to talk to another new head coach at Colgate University, Lindsay Hokinson, the head coach of women's soccer. And first of all, Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to Colgate.
2: Thank you so very much, Eric. I really appreciate it.
0: Lindsay, what was your reaction when you were offered the job to become the next Colgate women's soccer coach?
2: Oh man, you know, I think when you're going through a hiring process, you're always sort of oscillating between preparing for the yes and preparing for the no, right? So you're always like, there's always this piece of you that says like, don't get your hopes up. Don't get too excited. And then when it actually happens, it's really sort of surreal at the start And I think even more so at a place like Colgate, after I had sort of been immersed in the hiring process and you start to really see what it's about and you do start to get excited and a bit emotionally attached. And then when you're given the green light and, you know, they say that they want to bring you into the family, it was a really special moment for me as a benchmark in my career. And I'm so excited. and I'm so grateful to Nikki and Steve for believing that in my vision and and what I think that Colgate women's soccer can be. And I'm, I'm really excited to get
0: going here really soon. Did you have a blueprint saying, okay, if I become a head coach, this is how it's going to go, or you kind of have to get to the particular institution. You have to kind of have a feeling out process, or maybe it's a mixture of both. Maybe you have a blueprint design and maybe you can incorporate it or is it one way or the other, Lindsay?
2: It is a bit of both. I think ultimately the start of it is sort of a filtration of finding places that you feel like you could use your blueprint. You know, I think that's sort of the the first part of the process is the elimination process of finding places that are gonna make sense for you from a standpoint of what you want to do and places that you think that you'll be able to do it that way. So that was definitely a piece of it is I knew that for me coming from a place like Georgetown, I knew that the next step in my career was going to be a similar profile of student athlete because those are the student athletes I think that I connect to best. Ones who are driven in the classroom and driven on the field and really find a sense of motivation intrinsically. And so that in and of itself starts to Pinpoint certain places that are of interest, and then you know. For me, the next step of that is, you know, sure. My my coaching identity is really deeply rooted in my three core values: love, joy, and integrity. And so I needed to find a place where the administration really could buy into that being the way that it's done, because I do think that that's the best way to go about it. And so I'm really excited that Nikki and Steve really believed in that blueprint of what I think is, you know, the way to do it. And for me. You know, I mentioned a little bit at my press conferences, my phrase in life is relentless pursuit. That's always been my driving philosophy. And it just means that every day you wake up and you relentlessly pursue excellence in everything that you're doing and you become better from one day to the next. And each day, all you're doing is comparing yourself to yourself and you're constantly striving to be the best that you can be in each facet of life, whether it be a daughter or a sister or a coach or a friend, a member of the community all of those things for me, it's about relentlessly pursuing those aspects of life and excellence in each of those. And so, long story short, yes, I found a place where... My blueprint and my philosophy fit, and I think it's going to be a really great combination.
0: Lindsay, you come here taking over for an absolute legend and Kathy Braun, 12 <laughs> Patriot League championships, 312 coaching victories. Saying that, what is your mindset going in? I have to assume, is it different at all? Let's say you were replacing someone that was maybe here four or five years, didn't really leave a mark, compared to someone that was here for almost 30.
2: Sure. I mean, look, this is Kathy's program through and through. The DNA and the structure of it has been... Tediously constructed by her over the last three decades. And so it would be really naive of me to say that I'm not going to be inheriting a program of someone of that caliber. And deservedly so, I'll be standing on her shoulders as I take the next step for this new era of the program. And so, yeah, of course, especially in a place like Hamilton, where it's not just the prominent coach, but a prominent leader in the community and someone who has done so much for the university. There's a bit of added pressure there, but at the same time, it's such a luxury to be able to meet so many women who've been impacted by one singular person and to be able to say, look, it's more like a baton passing than anything else. And I'm really fortunate in that regard that this program, the skeleton of this program is so strong. Again, what makes it such an attractive place is the work that she's put in over the years to make it, like you said, a perennially competitive program in the Patriot League, A championship caliber program. And so for that, I'm indebted to all of the work that she's put in in the framework that's here. And I'm grateful to be able to take it from here. I look forward to putting my own stamp on it because I think we're different, but I do know that what she has built here is really special. It is a unique situation to take over for someone who has taught so many generations of players and to then step in. I am, I'm really grateful to her and all that she's done. And so I'm hoping that I can do her proud, to be honest.
0: Talking to head women's soccer coach at Colgate University, Lindsay Hokinson, on the Colgate Raider Report podcast. What has the last three plus weeks been like since you took the job, Lindsay? <laughs>
2: That's a really good question. It's been chock full of emotions, ranging the scale from excited and happy and thrilled to nervous and anxious and worried to being a bit sad, obviously, to be leaving a place that I've been for so long and leading players and staff that I really care about and who care about me. So there's a bit of bittersweetness to that saying goodbye. Ultimately it's been it's been really incredible, you know. They they always say you're never ready. You know, you're never truly ready until you kind of move a seat over. And I think That is definitely true. I've been telling everyone I kind of feel like I'm drinking water through a fire hose. Like, there's just so, so much that's happening that needs to be done and needs to be done yesterday. But I have such an incredible support system with the administration that they've been just saying, you know, take each thing as it comes and we'll figure it out together. And that's been really incredible. It's been overwhelming, but in the best way possible. I'm super thrilled for the opportunity to get to have my hands in all of these different places from scheduling, to recruiting, to getting to meet the players, obviously, and, and the coaching pieces, talking to the alumni, talking to the faculty. So there's just so much. And, you know, I've been also sort of in transition too. So it's been something that have been done remotely and on the phone. And so I'm looking forward to getting my boots on the ground and really starting to settle in and being able to do everything there and really kind of, like you said, begin this new chapter of life. It has been a whirlwind to say the very, very
1: least.
0: Seems like a long way away, especially with the cold and snow of Hamilton, New York. But before you know it, it will be August in Hamilton and the Colgate women's soccer season will be upon us. So it seems like it's a far ways away, but I'm sure there's a regimented schedule, I would think, Lindsay, in place until August. So saying that, it's mid-January. Is there one or two things that you wake up and you're really honing in on that as far as the women's soccer job is concerned?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, look, the first priority that I've had in the intermediate, obviously, is getting staff into place and preparing our schedule for the fall, sort of adding some clarification into both of those areas I think are really going to be helpful in taking the next steps. Honestly, this piece right now of the transition is sort of like an introduction phase. For me, it's a lot of evaluation of what we look like, who we are at this point, what kind of players we have, and then figuring out as a collective who we want to be, where do we want to go, and what's going to get us from here to there in regards to areas of emphasis and training different positions that we need to be recruiting, different things that we need to be focusing on when it comes to building pieces of the program as we see fit. Um, So right now it's transitioning from that introductory phase into that evaluation phase so that we can then push into the implementation phase of starting to figure out, again, kind of being able to put a little bit of my blueprint on the program and what we're going to look like moving into the fall, like you said, which will be here before we know it. So hopefully that's happening fairly quickly once we start to get a sense of one another. But the spring is really great in our sport because it is really such a developmental time. We get to spend that time and do those things and take our time with that, which is a blessing particularly with someone like me who's in transition to have that time to spend and focus on the little things and on the details and the technical aspects and the tactical aspects that we can sort of really do a lot of teaching and imprinting now so come August we'll be a lot further along than we are at this current juncture.
0: And give us a recruiting timeline, what's already been done and what needs to be done.
2: Sure. Yeah, so I mean our sport everything's done pretty far in advance so I'm inheriting a pretty good amount of both NLI-signed and verbally committed recruits, which I'm fortunate for because there's already sort of a foundation in place. So essentially, for me, the 2020 class is pretty well completed for the incoming fall. My focus moving into the next couple of months will be adding some pieces to that 2021 class and then starting to build out from
0: there. And I know it's going to be a process finding out what you already have on the roster. It's going to take getting to know the players and seeing them on the field and seeing what skill set they possess firsthand, Lindsay. But saying that, do you think it will be a balance between what system you want to implement, how you want to play, compared to what the skill set of your personnel is currently?
2: Yeah, I always say it's pretty idealistic to think that you can play the same system everywhere, You have sort of your philosophy and it's going to work no matter where you go. I think so much of our job is a give and take of identifying what your strengths and weaknesses are as a program and creating a system that really highlights the best parts of that system and hides your weaknesses the best. So I'd love to say, you know, this is the system that I play, this is the style that I play. But as you said, until I really get a sense of who I have and what they can do, all of that seems like sort of a – a fantasy. And so I'm under no illusions that I can just come in from day one and say, this is what it's going to look like. And this is how we're going to play. It's going to be a lot more of this evolving process of, okay, this is who we are. This is what I'd like to do. Can we accomplish that? Great. Okay. Here's a system that's going to work for us. Here's, it's about putting the best 11 players on the field and finding the system and style that's going to suit those players the best and our team the best so that we have the best opportunity to
0: be successful. Having a great chat with Lindsay Hokinson of the Colgate Women's Soccer Program on the Colgate Raider Report podcast. And for all the listeners that already tuned into the Coach Taylor interview before this one, they heard about Coach Taylor talking about the importance of her assistance and through the years how they have been a direct correlation to her success as a head coach. My question for you is, is there a certain quality I mean, I'm sure there's many qualities, but are there a certain quality or something that you won't budge on when looking for your staff to put together?
2: Everyone's got non-negotiables. I would say mine really are that I want to work with good people and I want to work with people who are going to make me better. So for me, it's just about finding assistants who are going to fill in the areas that I feel maybe aren't my strengths and people who I know I can count on when things get rough or I need to you know, be away or I don't want to ever have to micromanage. So I want um, autonomous staff who have a strong skill set in different areas than I do and who are going to make me stronger and make me better and challenge me every day. And to an extent, really pick and prod about things that I believe in so that we can hash it out and find common ground behind closed doors and present a united front to our student athletes that we really believe in because we've tested it with one another. For me, it's about you know bringing in people who I trust, who I believe in, who believe in me and believe in my vision and are willing to sort of go to battle with me with again, those values that I hold dear with love, joy, and integrity and who really put the student athletes and their experience first, treat them like humans and not like players or pieces of a puzzle. You know, it's about making sure that we are really engaging with that holistic experience for our student athletes and giving them the best opportunity to be successful. So it's about having people who believe in that just as much as I do and who are going to make me better because at the end of the day, I need people around me who are going to make me better which makes our student athletes
0: experience better Well, help ease the transition or at the very least help prepare you for your job at colgate university the fact that you're coming from a place in georgetown that like colgate stresses academics has an emphasis on academics known for being a very highly sought after academic institution
2: 100 percent the nice thing is when you come from a place where the test scores are high the expectation of GPAs are high. You're talking about a certain caliber of student athlete, emphasis on that student part. And so I put it like this, I'm already speaking the language. So like you said, yes, I 100% think that's going to help with the transition because I'm not going from the Southern Hemisphere to, to the Northern Hemisphere. I'm just sliding over to another place who has a very similar belief system and threshold. So that really does, it, it, it eases the transition significantly because I already have a pretty good sense of the type of student athlete the expectations that we're looking for when it comes to test scores and GPAs and all those sort of things.
0: How has the Colgate support system been so far? Everybody welcoming you with open arms. let talk about what's your reaction been to how you've been received so far at Colgate University.
2: It's remarkable. I've been trying to explain it to people around D.C. <laughs> I'm born and bred in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. So all I've ever known is this sort of big city life with suburbs. And so it's been pretty insane explaining to people how I walk down the street in Hamilton and people know who I am, which is just so crazy. <laughs> which is really something I got to get used to, you know. I recognize in a restaurant and I'm looking down and seeing if I have my name tag, so, my name tag on somewhere, <laughs> uh, and I just have to start getting acclimated to the fact that you know people know know me and know my face. It, it's been really amazing for me. It's taking a leap of faith leaving you know my home. It already is starting to feel like a home away from home, which again has been really helpful in the transition process, and I'm just so, so thankful to be coming to a place that really is that way. You know, people explain it to you like that in in the hiring process and in the interview process, you know, it's a special place, special place. You don't really get it until you're there and you're feeling it and living it and realize that so many people, I keep telling everyone, you know, you don't end up in Hamilton by chance. You know, everyone who's there is there by choice because they, they see just what a remarkable place that it is, what an amazing institution And what a really sort of cool town um, and family environment that it is. And it it really has been quite special and uh, something I'm really not used to. So it's been awesome.
0: Do you think coaching was in your DNA before you ever became a head coach? Like when you were a great player, George Mason, did you have a good idea that you were going to go in the coaching profession right after your playing career?
2: I'd love to say that I did, but I did not. I started college very, very intense on the fact that I was going to go into sports journalism or sports broadcasting from like the age of 10. That was what I was going to be doing. And then I started coaching to make a little bit of extra money in college. And I was coaching a U10 club team and really from there started to fall in love with it. And I remember like start of maybe my junior spring of college, I remember telling one of my friends, you know what, like, I think that I'm actually going to pursue this coaching thing. And she said, Well, duh. I'm glad you finally figured it out. So I think a lot of people around me knew before I ever did. Thankfully, I finally, you know, came to terms with it. But, you know, Eric, like as a goalkeeper, we spend a lot of our career watching the game (laughs) because most of what we do don't tell other goalkeepers this. So we do a lot of standing around and a lot of watching. Pretty much we get a really good head start on coaching through our career. And so I've been really lucky to not only be able to start as a college player into coaching and getting my feet wet that way, but Having so many incredible mentors and people who believed in me and gave me chances to coach from the jump. I've been a captain and been a goalkeeper. And so inherently, there's been that leadership piece that's always resided. But, you know, I've come to terms now that I think the coaching piece is an extension of that. It's sort of this leadership coupled with a, a deep, deep, deep love for the game and all that it can give you and teach you. And so when I step back, I think. Probably I was always going to end up here, but it took me a little while, longer than I think some people, than it did other people around me who were like, oh, this girl's definitely, definitely cut out for coaching. I ended up where I'm meant to be, so I'm appreciative of that.
0: Well, if you have any of that 10-year-old left in you and you want to dabble in sports journalism, you're very good, so you can host a podcast interview whenever you want, Lindsay. You just let me know.
2: (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks. That's good to know. It's good to have a plan B.
0: Lindsay, thank you so much for your time, and best of luck.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate it. Look forward to meeting
0: you. I'm looking forward to that too, Coach. That was Lindsey Hokinson, the head coach of Colgate Women's Soccer. Now, turning my attention to Harless Metters, special assistant and interim director of track and field and cross country. Welcome to the Colgate Raider Report. And coach, why was this Colgate job attractive to you?
3: You know, after being in the profession for almost 28 years, I thought that Colgate was intriguing because it provided me an environment that I hadn't been in. I started my coaching career at Western Carolina in Cullowee, North Carolina, a small Division One school. I spent a considerable amount of time at Florida State University down in Tallahassee, about 18 years there, and I spent the last seven years at the University of North Carolina. Each of those schools are unique in what they have, but Colgate was something uh, even more special than those. I think Colgate provides the perfect balance for kids that are interested in being challenged academically and still have a great desire to be competitive at the Division One Institute. So it's definitely an Ivy League feel, and it's a privilege to be associated with everything that's happening here at Colgate, and to try to take a look at the cross-country and track and field programs and see how we can elevate their status.
0: I can't say enough good things about Athletic Director Nikki Moore. Extremely nice, hardworking, genuine, and the list goes on. But tell us, Coach, did the fact that you knew Nikki and what to expect from her play a part in you coming here?
3: That was really a big part of it because I had a history with Vicki, and I know that she is one of the up-and-coming athletic directors across the country. She's got a great vision for Colgate, and she's got a work ethic that's uh, (laughs) unmatched by many people I've ever met. Vicki's had a chance to work in some of the premier institutions across the country, and I know that she has a passion for doing things the right way. She also has a passion for athletic excellence. I know that she wants to see COVID reach its full potential. I know that she's uh, willing to uh, help us fight to get there.
0: How has it been from a welcoming standpoint? What's your impression of Colgate University and the surrounding community of Hamilton, New York?
3: You know, it's been absolutely fantastic. The people of uh, Hamilton are warm and welcoming. They've embraced me. I'm still looking for a friend with a wood-burning fireplace so I can come by and hang out. Everything else has been really good. The coaching community here is very good. We're taking our kids out onto the ice at the uh, ice hockey rink tonight just to try something a little bit different. But everybody's bought in. Everybody's received me really well, and I couldn't be happier.
0: Yeah, I was going to save this question for later, but since you already mentioned the wood stove, I might as well break it out now, Coach. How is the Hamilton winter treating you? Have you ever lived in a place like this before with similar weather?
3: I've never lived this far north. From what I've been told, the winter has been really mild so far, untraditionally mild for the area. We even had our first day where school was canceled, and I know that was in part for uh, safety for kids trying to get back after the Thanksgiving break, but uh, I know they seldom cancel classes here. So I think it's a false sense of security that I'm feeling so far because it really hasn't been that bad. <laughs> so. I'm hoping for a really mild winter.
0: You got here, Coach. You had to get right to work. With that, you need a solid foundation. How have your assistants provided that?
3: You know, I think the assistants have really been uh, probably the best part of coming in so far. Uh, Anytime you have new leadership and then you have the old regime that's still here, sometimes that can be a tough transition. But I found the assistant coaches uh, welcoming, anxious to help, and they are embracing some new ideas and concepts that I want to bring to light and they're helping me understand the Colgate culture. So it would definitely be hard to do it without their help.
0: All right, getting ready to get into the heart of the track and field season, Coach. So let's get the listeners up to speed with a little bit about your Colgate track and field teams. Let's first start with the women. Just tell us a little bit about the track and field team on the women's side.
3: Well, you know, I spent the first couple of months trying to get to know the kids off of the paper, and by that it was easy for me to go to the media guide, and read their bios and sort of see what some of their PRs were. But I was more interested in getting to know them as people and getting a chance to actually watch them perform. And I've really been impressed with the entities that they bought, even coming off of the cross-country season. The distance runners have run really well. But we've had two indoor competitions last semester. And overall, I'm really happy with the women's team. I think we are a little small in number but I think our desire and the passion is there, and I'm anxious to sort of see how well we compete within the Patriot League. I've really got high expectations.
0: And what about on the men's side? Tell us a little bit about the men's squad.
3: Oh, the men's team, I think it's been uh, pretty much the same. These guys welcomed me as a new head coach in the middle of the year. I started in November, brought with me some uh, new expectations and new desires for uh, trying to raise our presence not only in the Patriot League, but also trying to make a presence on the national level. And a lot of the kids have been receptive to that. I think they're hungry. I think they're anxious to uh, have improvement as individuals and also anxious to see the team excel. So we've got a long ways to go. We've got a great body of kids to start with. We're anxious to sort of uh, elevate their status and at the same time, Get out and get the recruiting trail to see if we can bring in some future Raiders.
0: The Moravian College invite in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, coming up this weekend, Coach. What's the last month been like between the Pioneer Winter Classic till now? Of course, there were the holidays, the new year, no class. So when did the student-athletes get back? When did they start prepping for this?
3: So you're right. It's been a long break. Kids left immediately after the final exams were over. and They didn't get back onto campus until uh, this Sunday night. So our first practice was on Monday, and we'll have this week to sort of shake out some of the bugs, shake off some of the rust, get rid of some of that sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie, what they had, and get them back fit and ready to roll. And then we'll have sort of a soft opening at Moravian just to sort of see where our fitness level is. Then the rest of the kids will come back, and uh, we'll go full swing back into the spring semester and really get going full team after the Moravian meet.
0: Did you sort of have a blueprint coming in, Coach, or was it just kind of a feeling-out process? What kind of student-athletes you had here, or is it kind of a mixture of both? Yeah, you have this vision coming in, but you may have to adapt it with the personnel that's already on the roster.
3: hit the nail on the head, you really have to get on campus to evaluate and meet these kids face-to-face easy to have a preconceived notion from the outside looking in, but you really need to come on campus and meet the kids. Uh, So these kids, uh, as you would expect, are extremely bright. They did a fantastic job in the classroom. These kids are also extremely hungry for athletic excellence. I'm happy that it met my expectations and even exceeded some of my expectations on the quality of kids and athletes that we're going to have. I'm really pleased and I'm looking to uh, hopefully play my part to help these kids have Continue success in the classroom and to help them develop our athletic level of success
0: also not too many people get the chance to go into the coaching profession and also get to coach their alma mater but you're coming from the university of north carolina where you were a student athlete and most recently a coach what was it like coaching for your alma mater
3: you know it's a fantastic seven years at the university of north carolina I enjoyed having the chance to give back to the university that gave so much to me. I was a student-athlete back there all the way back in uh, uh, 1988 to 1992. Uh, The university has grown and changed over that time, but uh, I learned a lot and grew as a young man that was anxious to sort of give back to the university. I want to thank the director there for giving me the chance to grow, and I'm anxious to take what I've learned and bring that to Colgate and see if we can't have similar success here.
0: Coach, absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Can't wait to meet you in person, Coach. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Go Raiders. That was Harless Metters, special assistant and interim director of track and field and cross country at Colgate University. You're listening to the Colgate Raider Report podcast. Very glad to be talking to Colgate women's basketball assistant Lauren Ellis. And before we talk about the annual Kids Day game, Colgate-Victoria 73-52 over Lafayette, we want to talk about the fact that you are a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Congratulations, Coach.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Eric. I really appreciate that.
0: Well, let's talk about that first and foremost. You were inducted into the Slater Athletic Hall of Fame Saturday night. How was that experience?
4: It was awesome. I was inducted with my older sister, which made it much more memorable. And when a moment like that happens, so many people get you to that point. I would have never made it to our my high school Hall of Fame, with, obviously without my, without my coaches pushing me and, you know, especially. My parents, with all their support and consistently forcing me to work hard, so it was awesome. It was awesome.
0: Had to be pretty tight, coach, considering you had a game with Colgate that afternoon and then making it to Bangor, Pennsylvania. Did you adhere all the speed limits from here to there? (laughs)
4: Let's just say I was smart about it where I was speeding, and you know, it was nice that our girls took care of business with Navy. There weren't many times that we had to call a timeout. The game went pretty smooth, so I made it right on time.
0: Okay, now let's talk a little bit about your high school. Do people assume when you say you're from Bangor that they just assume you're from Maine?
4: Every time. Every time. I have to say, no, Bangor, PA, because every time they're like, oh, Bangor, Maine? I'm like, no, there's one in Pennsylvania, so...
0: What is a Slater?
4: A Slater is someone that back in the day worked in quarries. So we have a lot of slate quarries within my town, and it's in a community called Slate Belt. So that's why we're the Slaters.
0: And I would assume that's why there's a fan section called the Quarry Crew?
4: Yeah, yeah. Now, they've gotten much bigger since I was in high school. We didn't have that big of a fan base, but... You know they're funny they get rowdy
0: talking to coach lauren ellis on the colgate raider report podcast when did you find out the news that you were elected into this hall of fame and what was your initial reaction
4: so i found out i think it was in november and our current ad was the boys basketball coach when i was there so he texted me and said hey check your email so i went on there and i saw all the information and the first thing i did was text my sister because i saw that she was on there too But for some reason, the email didn't go through to her. So I didn't tell her exactly what the email said. I was like, hey, check your email. And she kept saying, I don't have an email. What are you talking about? So I kind of delayed the process for her a little bit, but just so thankful. Thankful for the people that, you know, nominated me and the fact that our committee thought that my career in high school was superior enough to be in the hall of fame
0: congratulations once again coach and now let's talk about colgate women's basketball kids day game there's nothing quite like this atmosphere oh
4: no it's great the kids are awesome you know we were just talking as a staff this is our favorite game of the year they do a good job getting them full of pizza and ice cream giving them the pom-poms it's a great atmosphere to play in front of
0: Colgate put up 73 points last time out against Lafayette. How were you able to do that, Coach, considering Lafayette statistically has the best defense in the league?
4: We talked before the game, and there were a couple times during our timeouts that we had to remind our players our offense leads from our good defense. So... Once we really pressured up on their ball handlers, we were able to get those quick points in transition. We were able to go against their man-to-man because our zone offense wasn't the best today, so we just had to keep reminding our kids, hey, defense leads to points for us.
0: Let's now discuss the vastly improved Abby Schubiger. What were the points of emphasis from last season and now that has sparked the jump from almost three points a game to roughly 11 points a game, and the shooting percentage has jumped from 39 to 55?
4: You know, Abby's a senior In our program, our seniors really lead And they really soar once they get to this point Abby knows what we expect She knows the culture She's a workhorse I mean, she's been working since day one that she got here You know, always pulling me in the gym Always asking, you know, my opinion on certain things When it comes to her game And after American, me and Abby had a really good talk And basically was saying How do I get to that point where I know you guys see me? How do I get from point A to point B to become that player that I know you guys confidently say I can be? With Abby, all I said was, listen, finish close to the rim, rebound the basketball, and play good post-defense. And ever since that talk, she has focused her game on those three things, and it seems like she's really soared from it.
0: I know there's still a lot of basketball to be played, Coach, but right now, 12-4, and 4-1 and in the Patriot League. Perfect at home. What do you think the difference is so far this season?
4: Our senior leadership, they've been awesome. We don't have to worry about kids getting in the gym. The seniors are pulling people in the gym, and they're leading by example. And... I remember Coach saying it to me when I was a player, and now I'm saying it coaching with him. A player-led team is more successful than a coach-led team. So it all the credit goes to our seniors, and obviously our juniors, and then our underclassmen, you know, following them along the way.
0: It's important to get wins on the road. Important to get it at home. But saying that, eight and zero at home, Coach, how important is it to establish that home dominance this season, where? Teams might be a little scared when they come to Hamilton, New York.
4: No, it's, it's a huge factor because you know everybody's thinking of that. Oh, it's tough to win in Hamilton. And we just are very locked in at home. You know, I'm hoping we can continue doing that when we're on our away trips. But there's something about being Hamilton, New York, and we love it. Women's basketball has not been a huge factor in Hamilton in quite a long time. So we love the community support that we've been getting.
0: When you were a star player at Bloomsburg, did you have any idea that you would become a coach?
4: So Eric, I'll always remember this talk with Coach. He has closing meetings with his seniors every year. We were done playing and he brought me to his office and he's like, so Ellie, like, what are you going to do with your life? Coach, that's a good question. You know, I've been thinking about it and going back and forth. And, you know, I think I want to go into coaching. So he, you know, was obviously all for it. Put me in contact with some really good people and got my foot in the door at Division 3, kind of working my way up. And, you know, once he got the opportunity here at Colgate, it was a no brainer to hop on his staff. We have the same vision, we have the same type of philosophy and, and morals and I love this system. I really do. I had a lot of success as a player and obviously we're starting to see a lot of that success now with our team.
0: And how have you evolved as a coach since arriving in Hamilton in August of 2016?
4: So much growing. So many times I'll watch film on specific scouts that I've done and I'm just like, why did I suggest to do that? Just constantly growing. You know, coach does such a good job of empowering us. You know, he wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our ideas, you know, whether we're right or wrong and different, he wants us to push our ideas on him to help us grow. So, you know, with coaching, just like anything else, it's just about knowing you don't know everything and that's okay and continuing to grow each and every year.
0: Coach, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
4: Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you.
0: As assistant coach of Colgate Women's Basketball, Lauren Ellis, and that will do it for the first Colgate Raider Report podcast of 2020.